Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you want to start turning there, we're beginning our new series called Joy and Peace. And uh, as I was thinking and praying, I was like, gosh, joy and peace. That just sounds really good. Like, we just all need some of that, as Jason said earlier. Um, Two weeks ago, on a Sunday after service, we loaded up our kids. Casey and I loaded up our three boys and we took them to Brazos Bend State Park. We put the bikes in the car. We put the firewood in the car. We put the airbeds. We put food in Tupperware. I mean, we had the whole thing planned and ready. We got there. It was rainy. It wasn't great. But we started unloading the car anyway. Where Casey's in there, and you know, you know, the, you hear the sound of the airbeds blowing up. The you know, like, you know, throughout the whole campsite as, you know, we're airing up our air mattresses and we're lining them out and we're, we're getting ready for the rain to come. So we're like putting extra, like, you know, things around the beds to make sure we stay dry. We build the fire. We unload the bikes. And we take our youngest son. He, he gets his, we got this cool little skewer thing. He could hang the hot dogs. We put the hot dogs on the skewer, he goes to hang it over the fire so that he could warm his dinner, and he leans to sit back in a chair, one of those camping chairs, you know, they kind of fold up like this, you know, and the chair is not quite on, like, stable ground, and so it kind of collapses underneath him, and his pinky finger gets right in the X part of the camping chair, and he screams, Now, parents, you know this. The first scream, you're like, "Eh, whatever, you know? (laughs) Right? Let's be honest. First scream, you're like, probably nothing. Kids are probably fighting again. Who knows, right? And we're saying to him, don't drop the hot dog in the fire. Like, protect the food. (laughs) Protect the dinner, right? And then the scream gets a little bit worse, and it has that certain sound to it. You're like, oh, I think this one's real. Like, this isn't a real scream, you know? And so we go, and we, we realize he shows us his finger, and it looks weird, okay? Just weird. And sure enough, he shatters the tip of his finger. And my heart is just like, ugh. I mean, how can we camp without our youngest one here? Casey, thankfully, God, he just knew what was going to happen. We both, both had our cars there. She loads him up. We get him to the, the ER and then the urgent care and then back to the ER, okay? And he had surgery and he's going to be just fine. Okay? He's going to be just fine. But I was thinking about interruptions in life. You know what I'm talking about? When you have a plan. So that the word interrupt is like there's a, a continuity of, of, of a progress or a line and something comes and just disrupts it. it. It interrupts the plan. And it was one of those days where we just had an interruption. And as we begin the season of Advent, as we look at the Christmas story, I want you to consider the divine interruptions of life. 
the divine interruptions where there's just something going in life and then God just causes something and boom, he interrupts our plan. That's, that's what we're going to look at today in Luke chapter 2. If you will go there with me, I'm going to read verses 8 through 20. And I'll just let you know what's happened. Jesus has literally just come out of the womb at this moment, okay? That's what happens right before this. And then in verse 8, it says, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. And I think the word then is like, boom, then. The angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, right? I would be too. I'd be like, oh. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. A silent night, holy night. Shepherds quake at the sight. The the shepherds in the field minding their own business, watching the flock, maybe lounging up against a tree, boom, divine interruption. As Jason said, it had been 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, 400 years of nothing. No word from God, no prophet, no nothing, and then boom, divine interruption. Got it? Okay, Luke 21. One more. Let's read this together. Verses 25 through 28. Then there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. There will be anguish on the earth among nations, bewildered by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear in expectation of things that are coming on the world because the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is near. This is the word of the Lord. Why do I read those two stories back to back, or those two moments? Because you and I live right in between them. 
Advent is a season where we look back at the arrival of Jesus. That's what Advent means, arrival. We look back at the arrival of Jesus, and yet we, we stand in the, the now and look forward to the moment where Jesus will arrive again. And according to what we just read, it's going to be a time absent of joy and peace. People will be in turmoil, in fear. And yet it says to believers, when you see this happen, Stand up, lift up your heads. Your redemption is near because a divine interruption is coming again. Now, most of us do not think of interruptions as bringing joy and peace, amen, right? When I was on that camping trip, and I unloaded everything from the truck. And then my son broke his finger. Joy and peace were not the things coming into my heart at the moment, okay? Let's be honest. It's raining, it's a little bit cold, it gets dark at like three in the afternoon now, okay? So it's pitch black already, and I'm like, oh, seriously, like, not joy. Joy and peace were not on my mind at that moment, okay? And let's just be honest, when the, we are interrupted in life, we've been living through a massive interruption or disruption, which, by the way, means to interrupt with a disturbance <laughs> called coronavirus. And all the stuff that we've been through, we've been living in the midst of a massive interruption, and it's not bringing a whole lot of joy in peace to us. So how in the world does being divinely interrupted actually bring us joy and peace? That's what I want to look at today. There's a few things I want us to see in the passage. And the first thing is this. The interruption of Advent shakes us out of complacency. It shakes us out of complacency. I mean, this is... A moment where these shepherds, like we said, are just chilling in a field, watching some sheep. In a time of spiritual dryness, no word from God, no prophet, 400 years. Generations have come and gone. No word, no prophet, no word, no prophet. And let's be honest, we would all just be a little bit complacent spiritually. You see, the gravitational pull of the flesh, this sinful nature that we have as human beings, the, the, the pull of the world and just the stuff that we're constantly bombarded by, and the fact that we do have an enemy who's, who's enticing, who's tempting, who's lying to us. These things are constantly drawing us into spiritual complacency. It is the status quo of humanity. In my own quiet time, I've been reading Judges, and it's just like, the people forget God, and they worship Baal, and they do all this stuff, and then guess what? Brokenness abounds. They get dominated by some king. And then they cry out to God, and God sends a rescuer. And then they get complacent again, and they forget God, and they start worshiping Baal. And it's just like on repeat, over and over again, because that's the pull of life in the world for all of us. We're just like 
the Israelites and the status quo of complacency makes a whole lot of sense. If you don't know Jesus, you're like, God, Jesus, church, whatever, right? But even for Christians, let's be honest, even for us, we feel the, 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 the pull of complacency. It's normal for us to be nominally committed to prayer or to reading scripture, right? It's, it's normal to be nominally connected to a body of believers. It's normal to not be too outspoken about your faith. It's normal to compromise with a little bit of sin because we're not legalistic around here. It's normal for at least American Christians to give away less than 3% of our income. It's just normal. It's status quo. And we feel the pull to just kind of dumb it down a little and to just, if we could just raise our eyes a little lower than Jesus. And I believe that the enemy, if he can't get us to reject God, he will get us complacent because then we become spiritually impotent, unable to reproduce spiritual life in those around us. He can stamp out the move by dousing our desire for Jesus. And we get complacent. And yet in complacency, you know Joy and peace do not abound. I know. It's only led me to spiritual dryness. It's led me to deadness, to joylessness. <laughs> and rather than having peace, I have more of an uneasy conscience when I'm complacent. But Advent is God stepping into humanity in interrupting the line of complacency in our lives. It shakes us out of complacency that the God of gods, the creator of all things, would step in in the form of the Christ child. He would blow up the status quo with angels splitting open the sky and announcing good news. By the way, in that passage, when it says, behold, I proclaim to you good news, that was a preaching of the gospel. If you, if you look at the, the original language, it's like the verb form of, of gospel. It's like to gospelize. I bring you good news of Jesus, the Savior, for you. God stepping in and blowing up the status quo. The interruption of Advent shakes us out of complacency. But the second thing is this, and this is so beautiful. The interruption of Advent connects us to God's greater story and how we need this. We so need this. Because it's not just the greater story, it's actually the story. It's the story. The, the Bible tells the story from start to finish of, of creation to fall to now redemption and Jesus to ultimate, the, 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 the resurrection of God's people with him in heaven forever, just the remaking of all things. It's the story, and it's the story of God's glory, him as the glorious creator, sustainer, judge, savior, and redeemer, and, and I think there's something in us because we have been, you know, severed from the 
original intent that God has for us, that we are glory deficient. We have a glory deficit. It's like when you go to the doctor and they say, like, you need more vitamin whatever. There's something in us that just needs glory. We hunger for it. And, and in the midst of this deficit of glory, we suffer from what the, the King James called us. I love this word, vain glory. Have y'all heard that word before? Vain. I think you need to say it with like a good Southern drawl, like vain glory. You know, it just sounds better. We need Matthew McConaughey to come in here and just say that word, right? It would just be better. Vain glory as the old King James would say. And here's what it is. In the glory deficit, we start pursuing our own glory. I do it, you probably do it, where we all wanna be successful, well-liked, attractive, cool, and unique. And we, we just want, we want glory. We want something glorious about our lives, and then we have this vain glory, and it means excessive vanity or pride. In Philippians 2, 3, it says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. I had a friend whose son was um, having growth plate issues, and it really impaired his ability to run. And my uh, friend had been like a college athlete. And so like to see his son struggle to be athletic just kind of broke his heart. Like he just, he just wanted him to excel. And so he was trying like everything he could to find something that his son would, could excel at. So he was like, you know, archery or, or, or something where he could find a way for his son to excel. And we were talking about this, and I said something that I think was a little bit, I don't know, startling. And I, it didn't come off rude. I hope it doesn't sound rude when I say it to you, but this is what I said. I said, you know, it may not be such a bad thing for your son to have something like this that he struggles with. And the reason why is that it's a grace from God to have him interrupt our pursuit of vain glory. Does that make sense? Every one of us, if we look at our life, there's some places where we've sought after glory, vain glory, right? We wanted to be well-liked. We wanted to be successful. We wanted to be athletic. We wanted to be skinny. We wanted to be whatever, cool. I mean, we, we'd fill in the blank with whatever you wanted. And it's like somehow, somewhere along the way, something interrupted that pursuit. And you're probably a believer in Christ because God allowed that interruption in your life. There, there are people that when you tell them the good news of Jesus, that God unconditionally loves you. And that though the, the, the world or your loved ones or your friends would reject you, he would never reject you. He accepts you. Or, or to tell them that you're forgiven of every sin through Jesus. Like he will literally wash you clean. And some people hear that and they're like, I don't really need that. But show me a person who God has been wooing and interrupting their pursuit of vainglory. Show me a person who's felt a rejection. 
who's felt less than, who's felt the, the, the dirtiness of shame and sin. Show me a person like that and, and, and share the gospel with them and just watch. They're like, oh, are you serious? Me? God would do that for me? Because it's a grace for God to interrupt our smaller, self-glorifying stories and to connect us to the greatest story of his glory. You can't miss the humility. You can't miss the humility of Advent. Shepherds, just shepherds in a field. It wasn't kings, it wasn't princes, it wasn't movers and shakers of the Israelite world. It was some dudes in a field watching some sheep, right? It's a savior laying in a feeding trough because there was no room in the town for his family. (laughs) The lowly things are transformed into glorious things in Advent. The interruption of Advent connects our glory-deprived, glory-deficit, small existent lives to the greatest and most glorious story. Good news of great joy for all people. Lastly, the interruption of Advent awakens our greatest hopes. It awakens our greatest hopes. The longer that you and I live in a broken world, the more likely it is that either our hopes are completely dashed or we learn to dial them down, right? We, we, we learn through enough hard knocks in life, you're like, ah, I really wanted this to happen. I'm going to dial that down to just like this, right? <laughs> and we become cynical we become jaded. We become leery of people who are too optimistic because we're like, ah, yeah, you're pretty much naive. Um, we become distrustful of people and leaders in organizations because our hopes have been dashed or at least dialed down. As Proverbs thirteen twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Sickens us. And we settle for enjoyment of a few things rather than joy. And we settle for the relative peace of dialed down hopes that are less likely to get dashed, if we're honest. But Advent interrupts our low bar hopes and reawakens them because God has stepped into our world He's interrupted our brokenness. The Savior is laying in a back alley manger in a sleepy town. Angels have startled sleepy shepherds on a silent night in a dark field with good news of great joy in peace on earth to those whom God favors. And I think the message for us is lift your eyes Lift your hopes because God is faithful. As we just sing about, right? He has power. 
The Messiah has come. The kingdom that has no end is here right now, and we're in the middle of it. The world will be made right again. It will be filled with goodness. The poor are rich in Jesus. Corruption will be cast out. The oppressed will go free in Jesus. Pain and sadness and sorrow will be no more. Believers will be rescued. Our sins will be cast into the sea by the Messiah Jesus, who's purchased our forgiveness and our redemption. And let me tell you, your life is not for nothing. And so wherever you've dialed down hopes, wherever you have lowered the bar, wherever you've been dashed, I just want you to know that even in the midst of the brokenness, it matters. Your life matters in the kingdom of God. And we are Christ agents. We are Christ agents of his kingdom that will never end. Advent calls to our deepest in our deadest hopes and says, come to life, dry bones. Wake up, dead dreams, because the Messiah has come and he will come again. So I just want to ask a question as we close. What needs to be divinely interrupted in your life? If your life was a line, it's like, man, it's just, this is, this is it. Like, this is what I do. This is, this is my pattern. This is my life. It's just, here's my life. And you just need something to come and go, bam. What is it? What's that thing that needs to be interrupted Is it complacency? Because Advent, I think, invites us, the cross of Jesus invites us to confess our complacency. It's an invitation to to re-engage the vitality of our life with God, our passion for him, and to let his mercy and his grace like wow us and thrill us again. Second, I think it calls us to center our hopes on Christ alone. Do you have dead hopes? Do you have dialed down hopes? Would you just bring those to the foot of the cross and say, God, would you just let them come back to life? Would you, God, take these old dead things and would you resurrect them for your glory? To center our hopes on Jesus alone. And I think it invites us to connect our lives right now, right now, with the great, glorious, unfolding story that God is writing and that he's invited you to be a part of. It's an invitation to connect our daily lives to doing what Jesus is doing to love people, to serve others, and to serve him, and to receive the joy and the peace of a life given away to God, to connect your life with his great story. On the uh, way out of our interrupted camping trip, which I was so bummed about, I uh, finally got the boys loaded up in the car, and we started a 
very, very dark, slow drive out of the park because of the rain and it, you know, getting dark so early. And it was amazing. It, the, the, it was like a 15 minutes of wow, because as we're you know, driving down this road, the frogs are jumping all over the, the road. And I'm just like, ha, ha, you know, because I, I you know, tread lightly, don't kill all the, you know, don't, Chris, please don't kill all the animals in the park on the way out, right? Like, and so I'm dodging these frogs that are jumping, but then these massive owls are like jumping out of the trees and they're like eating frogs. I think they, I think they were killing all the animals, right? And so the owls are coming out, but it's like these beautiful birds. And it's, you know, in these parks, they just, they, they look at you and they're like, move, right? And so we're like dodging owls that are coming out of the trees. This, the, y'all, the cutest baby raccoon you've ever seen in your life. It's like comes out and it's kind of like still like kind of, you know, weird looking and kind of like, I don't know, not very stable, but it's like trying to catch frogs on the road and we're driving and it just looks at us like, like I'm busy here. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, and so we're waiting for this, the most beautiful raccoon to come out and, and like armadillos are running beside. It was, it was just 15 minutes of pure glory. Awesome. And here's the thing. When God interrupts our lives, he's inviting us to glory. And the very same message that those angels declared, behold, good news. I proclaim to you good news. Great joy for all the people. The Savior has come, Christ the Messiah. Peace on earth to those whom he favors. If you will let that proclamation interrupt your life, oh, my friends, God is inviting you to glory. Amen? So, will you welcome God's interruption this Advent season? Will you let him shake you out of complacency and connect your life to his great story and awaken your greatest hopes? And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.